0: Hi everyone, welcome back to the Step Outside podcast. This is your host, Christy Keel Blackman with the Department of Forestry, Wildlife and Fisheries at the University of Tennessee Institute of Agriculture. Happy 2021 and thanks for joining us for our second year of podcasts. Today, we are speaking with Kylie Davin. She's one of our graduate students studying under Dr. Neelam Pudial and she's working on her master's in wildlife sciences. To start off, Kylie, why don't you give us a really broad overview of your research and what you're studying here?
1: So, broadly, I'm studying human dimensions of wildlife. And how I usually explain that to people is it's how people feel their attitudes, beliefs, values related to conservation issues, or it could be forestry, resources, or wildlife species. And so, what I'm studying right now is Small game hunters and trappers of Tennessee and their expectations, satisfaction, and motivations related to various aspects of small game hunting. And when I say small game, what I'm talking about, it includes migratory game bird species, small game birds and mammals, as well as fur bearer species that are hunted and trapped.
0: Okay, great. And why are you focusing on the small game species specifically?
1: I'm looking at small game hunters and trappers, because right now there is a lot of literature on big game hunting because that has bigger social and economical benefits, but there's little research on migratory game bird species and no research that I could find specifically on small game hunters and trappers.
0: Okay. So you're really working in in a niche that hasn't been covered yet.
1: Yes, yes. As far as like my literature review, I haven't found any other studies that have done small game hunting where that's their main focus.
0: Okay. And
1: that were they looking at the motivation, satisfaction, and things like that.
0: Well, let's dig into that. I hear a lot about hunting because of our department and where I grew up in South Carolina, there were a lot of hunters, but I've never dug into the human dimension side of it. So tell us about the motivations and satisfactions and constraints portion of of what you're specifically studying. What all does that entail? now
1: it's widely known that different hunters and trappers, even if they're hunting the same species, they have different motivations for participating. And there are many different factors that could impact their satisfaction beyond whether they harvested an animal. And there are different constraints. So everyone is different. And so it's important to look at these elements in order to gain a better understanding. And for example, for motivations, there are three main types outlined in the literature. The first are appreciative motivations. And so those are things like spending time outdoors, enjoying the solitude, enjoying the challenge of the hunt. like that's what drives the person to go hunting or trapping. The second is achievement based motivations, and that is related to achieving a goal. So harvesting a trophy animal, bringing home food, things like that. And then the last one is affiliation motivations. and that's related to the social aspects. So, Hunting to spend time with others, teaching others how to hunt, things like that.
0: So what determines a hunter's level of satisfaction?
1: There are many factors related to satisfaction that can impact whether someone is satisfied or not. Some of the factors can be whether they got out to hunt as much as they wanted to, what the weather was like. If it was crowded um, when they went hunting, that could all depending on the conditions that could lower or increase their satisfaction. What I'm looking at is how their expectations impact their satisfaction. So if someone thinks they're going to go out and they're going to harvest, they're going to get three ducks, but they don't catch any, or they only catch one, they might not be satisfied because they had this expectation that they didn't meet. Whereas someone might say they think they're going to get those same three ducks but they actually get six steps. They're likely to be satisfied to very satisfied because they met and exceeded that expectation.
0: With this research that you're doing, what happens in the end? What's the end goal after you formulate a report? So this is the
1: first year of this study. However, this study is projected to continue on for four more years, so a total of five years. And that will be interesting in the end to be able to see and compare data throughout the years and give a better idea of the small game hunters and trappers population. And so this data will allow the TWA to make management decisions in order to tailor to small game hunters and trappers to increase satisfaction in order to communicate and meet expectations or have hunters form more realistic expectations how to manage game populations, things like that.
0: For people who maybe aren't familiar with hunting, why do we need to be concerned about the number of hunters who are actively participating in the sport?
1: The reason why it's important to look at hunters and why number of people hunting is declining is because right now in the US, our conservation is funded through hunting. So things like the Pittman-Robertson tax and license and permit sales are the main chunk of what is used for conservation, even of non-game species, of our endangered species, of our habitat. And so with less hunters and less people buying firearms and hunting equipment and license and permits, there is less money coming in. And the money generated from these funds can equal out to about 75% of a state wildlife agency's annual budget. So it's very concerning because we have seen declines since about the 1980s. And right now we don't have another way to fund conservation. So hunting is our main way to fund conservation currently.
0: So there's there's a huge economic downturn that's happened because of the lack of hunters since the 1980s.
1: Yeah, and so... Also, hunting can benefit local economies as well, beyond just funding conservation. It can help with local economies because hunters will travel to an area, they need a place to stay, they need to eat somewhere, they need to rent equipment possibly, and they're going to probably buy gas and things like that that add up over time and help support local communities and jobs and then even have an impact more broadly on our economy.
0: Interesting. What other benefits are there to hunting besides the economic impact that it brings?
1: For the hunters, there are benefits like socially spending time with their family or with friends. There's also benefits for hunters who participate in that. Maybe it's how they unwind from a stressful week, and then it can also help in some areas with overpopulation. Especially now that in a lot of areas we've gotten rid of our big predators, we may have too many deer or other small animals, and so that can help as well. My main focus for my research, however, is this economic benefit.
0: Along with your thesis proposal, you also sent me a really interesting side project that you're doing.
1: Yeah, a side study I'm helping out on.
0: Tell us about your side study. That was even more niche down than your thesis. So, tell us a little bit about your side study. For this side study,
1: I'm actually helping out. It's principal investigators are out of the North Carolina State University, and they are looking at different aspects related to hunting and college students. So, it's a very large study. Their sample includes undergraduate students from 22 different universities across the United States. And so you have a big mix of universities from the Southeast, from the Northeast, from the Midwest, and from the West Coast. And it's a very large study. They contacted over 100,000 students. And so the data I'm using is focused on female college students, because currently men make up about 90 percent of the hunting population. Very few women, about 10 percent, actually hunt, despite being almost 50-50 of the population population. And so we're interested in looking at the different constraints and motivations of why female college students hunt and what is limiting them. And so from this study, I found, which my study included about 17,000 respondents, and I found that female hunters primarily had affiliation-based motivations. So these were the motivations related to social aspects, such as spending time with friends and family. My results that were actually contradictory to some other studies. However, one other study found that Giliotti and Metcalf, 2016 also found that affiliation-based motivations were more important to female hunters, more so than male hunters. And this is partly because many female hunters are introduced to the sport through male hunters, such as their fathers or brothers or partners. And I also found that the biggest barriers in general for both hunters and non-hunters were They'd rather do other activities. And I think that's partly because they're college students. As many college students will understand, you have a lot to do, but not necessarily a lot of time to do it. And so I think this might, yeah, I think if we were to go back, it'd be interesting to ask two questions. Would they rather do other hobby activities, recreational activities? Like, are they just wanting to hang out with friends instead or are they wanting to actually do their work? And so I believe that's a big part of that was because it was the biggest constraint for both non-hunters and hunters. Mm -hmm. Also, hunting is an activity where you have to plan out like a big chunk of time. You have to go to the area. You have to wait. It takes a lot of time to do it. It's not something like, you know, just hanging out with your friends on the evening or like just watching a movie. And so that, I believe, is a big part of it. I'd have to do more surveying to understand The second biggest constraint for hunters was logistics, things related to transportation, lack of free time, lack of people to go with. But for Mm -hmm. non-hunters, the second biggest constraint was ethical and moral reasons. So a moral objection to hunting, they were reluctant to kill an animal. And so for hunters, since their biggest constraint is logistics, it's a lot easier to address because if they have a lack of people to go with, you could make an online forum so that people could find others to hunt with or they could join a hunting club, or, you know, you can try to somehow give them access to transportation. But for non-hunters, these ethical and moral reasons and objections are a lot harder to, if not impossible, to overcome.
0: Right, because you're talking about someone's core values at that point, and that's more difficult to change. Yes. That's really interesting. And, you know, from my perspective, I, I am not a hunter, but I've been interested in hunting, But then when I think about the amount of gear and equipment that I would have to purchase to get started, it just seems overwhelming to me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of the main reasons that I haven't pursued it because, you know, it's a hobby that takes a lot of startup capital. And and like you said, planning, Mm -hmm. you have to commit a whole day to it, basically.
1: Yes, and you have to know where to go. You have to know all the rules. And so I'm not a hunter either. I've never been hunting. I've relatives who hunt but my parents don't hunt and so it's been interesting too because people I think assume I'm a hunter I'm actually also vegetarian so it's funny because some of these aspects I don't necessarily understand as well because I've never been I've never planned it out and so I've learned a lot as far as that aspect of just what it takes to go hunting you know you Mm -hmm. have to know where to go then there's different rules for different types of places wildlife management areas have different regulations than just public land things like that. And that can be very intimidating, I feel like, to people who are maybe interested. But if they don't know anybody else who hunt, it can be even more intimidating because Mm -hmm. they, they might not know how to navigate
0: getting into the sport. Right. So there are a lot of different barriers to be addressed, it sounds like.
1: Yes. And this study actually has a second component where students would participate in a workshop And we were working with the TWRA, the Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency, to put this together. However, due to the global pandemic, we were not able to do the workshop yet. So hopefully at some point we'll be able to do it.
0: I hope you can do that in the future.
1: Yeah, hopefully. Probably not while I'm still here, but hopefully everything else will be in place for uh, Mm -hmm. Neelam Do-It.
0: Well, are there any last words that you would like to leave us with or parting thoughts for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with hunting or even people who are hunters? What would you say to them?
1: This applies to more than just hunting, but there's a lot more. It's not black and white. There's a lot of elements you need to look at to understand the issue. And so while someone might be against hunting because they think it's bad for conservation, it's actually not as bad as they might think or not bad at all because it's funding conservation. As far as people who wanna get into hunting, I'm sure online there's different resources as well as on the TWA website that will have information on licenses and regulations. I would suggest they look into the Hunting and Fishing Academy. It provides hands-on instruction on how to hunt. Um, And I believe in the past, they've actually taken interested people out into the field to hunt. You get a mentor, someone with hunting experience and they mentor you and they go Uh over things like regulations. And that was the Hunting and Fishing Academy through the Tennessee Wildlife Federation. And so there's, There are resources out there for those who are interested in getting into hunting or even just learning more about hunting. So Mm -hmm. I would encourage them to look up things like that or just go online and start talking to hunters. Most hunters would be very excited to talk to you and help you get into it. And it might be a better way to get into it if you're nervous.
0: That's great. Well, thank you so much for those tips And and suggestions. And thank you, Kylie, for joining us for our inaugural 2021 podcast. Thanks to all of our listeners for joining us. And please stay tuned when we have another grad student on the podcast next month. Bye.